This is Song. And this is Sarah. And you're listening to Effing Ethical, a podcast about impactful consumption. Hi there, this is Song from Song and Sarah. And we're here at the third and last piece of our primer series on values-based investing. So today we're going to be addressing the question of how values-based investing affects returns, or in other words, how values may be connected to profit. Now, there's a common perception, I think, that's, you know, hopefully slowly changing that investing in ways that align with values comes at the cost of returns. And I'll preface this by saying there's not great definitive research on the relationship between impact investing or ESG-focused investing and returns uh, for a number of reasons. So A, you know, there's the fact that the majority of funds that are values-based just haven't been around for as long as more traditional funds. So it's difficult to compare the two. Also, there's the fact that everyone has a different definition and understanding of what impact investing or values-based investing is. There are so many different names for it, each with different connotations. So, for instance, there's been some research showing that non-white managers particularly shy away from calling their funds impact investing because they already face bias and they don't want to use a term that may have potentially negative connotations to, to drive away investors. Also, for practitioners who are using the ESG lens, there are something like over 70 different tools for reporting and standard setting. There are some that assign aggregate numbers across the environmental, social, and governance prongs, and others like the Sustainability Accounting Standards Board um, that have tailored ratings for different industries based on the metrics that actually tend to matter in those industries. So for example, in the airlines industry, the factors that they've counted as important are greenhouse gas emissions, labor practices, critical risk management, and competitive behavior, which all makes sense. But that's not to say that that's enough, as we've also seen how things like customers' welfare, right, can have an impact on the finances of an airline, cough United, right? So as with all things that we talk about on this podcast, things are complicated and require nuance. So with that said, there has been a trend, I think, towards more traditional venture funds and banks kind of inching towards at least what looks like more values-based approach in their investments. So as an example, Kleiners, um, which is one of the OGVC funds, created a pandemic fund 14 years ago. And you know, from what I understand about the kind of fund that they are, uh, it's probably not that they were, you know, necessarily thinking about the social impact, but they wisely saw a gap in the market that they could capitalize on. And speaking of the pandemic, I mean, I think this current climate, including, of course, COVID-19, really put into perspective what risk means when it comes to the economy. Um, And some thought leaders have even been saying that, you know, environmental activists and activists against police brutality and racial injustice, um, they're actually good for the economy because they are taking action against systemic risks. And, you know, taking away systemic risks is actually good for investors and for companies as well. And on top of that, you know, in general, it's getting more mainstream to think that companies with good governance practices Um, and practices where they value their employees and people all throughout their supply chains will perform better. 
So um, just to kind of put some numbers on there, uh, a 2015 McKinsey report on 366 public companies found that those in the top quartile for ethnic and racial diversity in management were 35% more likely to have financial returns that were above their industry mean. And those in the top quartile for gender diversity were 15% more likely to have returns above the industry mean. And U.S. companies in the top quartile for gender diversity on their executive teams had a 21% higher financial performance than the national industry mean and a 27% likelihood of outperforming on longer-term value creation. So if that hasn't convinced you yet, something that I've found to be compelling is this concept of shared value. So taking a step back, you know, going back to this perception that there has a there has to be a trade-off between investing with your values and maximum returns. Again, there's no one-size-fits-all approach. Sometimes the problem is that fund managers or, you know, investors they look at a company with solely an ESG lens that's done almost as an afterthought or simply by looking at a number or, you know, ratings or rankings that aggregate points without a more thoughtful approach that takes into consideration how meaningfully and closely tied the positive impacts are to the company's actual financial bottom line. So is it just greenwashing or was the company actually able to create a more profitable business while creating social value? So as an example, a bank might in their ESG reports talk about how they reduce their carbon footprint, but how much energy a bank uses, you know, while it's important for the environment and it will also help the bank save on energy costs, doesn't really have anything to do with their core business. Um, And therefore, it doesn't really have a bearing on their financial performance. On the other hand, Banks who miss their social responsibility to the well-being of their customers and do things like issuing subprime mortgages with terms that customers couldn't repay, you know, things like that caused devastating social and financial harm. But because ESG reports don't usually take all that into account, it usually only talks about the good things they did, regardless of how kind of tangential it was to their business. Um, And they would have gotten credit for it from an ESG lens that's not going to be all that indicative of financial performance. On the other hand, you can imagine that if banks were viewed from a values-based investment lens, this could have been maybe the types of financial products they were offering, you know, it might've been a better indicator of success. Research shows that companies that create shared value significantly outperform the market and they do better even than their peer companies Um, who may have, you know, similar ESG ratings, but that put ESG efforts on things that aren't central to their business. A positive example is Nike, who literally wove in their environmental commitment to reduce waste into their fly knit shoe. It reduced waste by 60% because there weren't leftover fabric scraps, but it also saved costs in manufacturing and it created a shoe that performed better because it was lighter and more breathable than than other sneakers. So customers also loved them. And through this commitment to being good to the earth, Nike was able to also create a great product. And with that, they generated over $2 billion in revenue. So as per usual, all that to say, it's kind of complicated. Um, And I'll end with just another question that's relevant to profitability. 
Um, and I think that is, you know, profitability for what time horizon? Because there are absolutely investments for, for products and companies that weren't built with the goal of creating the greatest returns every quarter for shareholders or to be scaled and kind of sold off at the pace that investors dictate. So for example, I've heard some awesome black entrepreneurs in the plant-based and non-dairy food space. Chef Chu from Something Better Foods and Kai Norti from Kube Nice Cream, who have incredible products. Um, and these products were birthed out of the needs of their own lives and of their communities for healthier foods. And um, they talked about how, despite their talent, they've had such a hard time getting connected with capital, not only because they are overlooked and dismissed as Black entrepreneurs, but also because they also don't want to work with investors who are exploitative and extractive. You know, they weren't, they were talking about how they weren't building these businesses to be grown and sold off in five to seven years, but that they're building something to, to build and keep wealth in their communities. So there's something to be said for slower and more patient capital that has a more fair apportionment as, of risk and profit and power among investors, entrepreneurs, and the community that actually encourages the nurturing of good businesses with sustainable business models that are good for the world. Anyway, I digress. Um, as you can see, there's no straightforward answers to this question of how values are connected to profits. And when we see you next week, we'll pick right back up on some of these themes that we touched on in this primer series and talk about how we can be thoughtful investors in our own lives. Thanks for listening to Effing Ethical. We're grateful that you're on this journey with us, and we'd love to get to know you as you're getting to know us. Please check out our website, songandsarah.com, and find us on Instagram, and send us an email at hello at songandsarah.com. Also, please do leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts because it's super helpful for us to get good folks like you to be able to find us.